Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good morning, everybody. Please be seated. It's so good to be with you and to share with you. I've been thinking about today all week and uh, waiting on God to help me with what I'm going to share. I want to say a big thank you to the worship team uh, because even the songs chosen this morning, which they wouldn't have known, totally line up with what I want to share. And you think it's amazing when it all comes together. I felt very powerfully that this morning we're all together going to go a little deeper in understanding what God is saying to Big C Church right now in the Western world And I trust the maturity by which we can embrace this because it's good news. I've entitled my message, Doorway to Freedom. I actually think the greatest days for God's church are before us. I'm very excited and I'm not worried about COVID. And I think COVID is being blamed for a lot of things. And God has been trying to get our attention for a while. He's been trying to get the attention of the Western Church for a while and COVID has made some pastors freak out. It's made people freak out. Christians that don't want to go to church anymore. Uh, I think they're more churchians. And, uh, you know, people that want want it the way it used to be and others that are saying, come on, what's God saying? We're ready for the doorway to freedom that He has for us to be the influence We're the light of the world, not the light of the church. We're the salt of the earth, not just the salt of the church. And we see what's happening with the church in America right now. And you think, God, please, please, please let the church arise and be what you've always intended it to be. And so a few years ago, I was praying one morning and I said, God, what do you want from church this Sunday? And I guess it's what he's always wanted that I would be glorified, that truth would be clarified, and that our walk would be intensified. And that's my prayer today as we unpack the Scriptures. I may raise more questions and answers, but we can keep talking later. But I want to get you thinking, and I believe what I'm going to share may sound a little challenging at first, but the promise is amazing. Now, last Sunday, something happened to me in this place. It started at home as I got dressed to come here, feeling quite unwell. I stopped to get petrol, and as I'm walking to pay for my petrol, my feet are aching. My toes feel so sore, and and I'm thinking, what's happening to my body? I got here to church and uh, felt worse. I had to sit during the worship, feeling quite unwell, and it wasn't till the altar call time or the prayer time at the end that I was sitting down and I looked down and I realised I had the wrong shoes on the wrong feet. (laughs) Now, honestly, I had the wrong shoes on the wrong feet. Now, I I had slip-ons because these days when I bend down to do up shoelaces, I think, what else can I do while I'm down here? Because I'm not coming back today. Definitely not coming back down here. So I found slip-ons are really helpful. 
You know, I mean, these days my back goes out more than I do. So, you know, you think, okay, you know, I better stop. But anyway, and it wasn't till right to the end of the service. And I realised one foot was going left. The other one was going right. And I thought, I'm dying. My bones are crippling up. What's happening to me? And realised I had the wrong shoes on the wrong feet. And I gently slipped them off while you all had your heads bowed in prayer. And changed my shoes. By the time I got home, my two toes were so red. And I said to my wife, man, this hurts. And then I told her the story. My daughter bursts out laughing. Now, the interesting thought was, that came to me out of that, because you've got to use them for sermon illustrations, these thoughts, is uh, I felt uncomfortable like that because my feet didn't belong there. They didn't belong there. They were in the wrong place. One of the problems with the Western church is we've become so accustomed to the spirit of the age that it's come into Christendom in some areas and we've actually, after a little bit of should be feeling uncomfortable with the world, we've become accustomed to the way the world does things. A few years ago, I was preaching in Tigham, Brisbane, and I was preaching for Pastor Freddie Evans, and uh, it was a, a, a big meeting on a Sunday night, and just before I had to preach, I said, I've got to go to the bathroom. He said, well, you better be quick, because you're going to speak in a minute. And I ran into the bathroom, and I shut the door, and it wasn't Half a second, I realised I'd gone into the wrong place. I could hear people speaking, but they didn't have very sort of, you know, voices like this, high-pitched voice, and I realised I'd gone straight into the ladies' toilets. Now, I'm there and I go, do I open the door and run out? And then they'll look at me and go, strange fellow, that one. And I'm about to preach. And in the end, I thought, I've got to move. So I, I, I opened the door. Two ladies were looking at me. I said, I'm sorry. And I ran out, got to the back of the auditorium and told Pastor Freddie. Of course, he got up and told everybody. <laughs> and I preached for the first time a message made up on the spot out of Romans chapter 12 that came into my mind that we are not of this world. I was uncomfortable in there because I didn't belong there. The ladies were comfortable in there because they belong there. But I was uncomfortable because I didn't belong there. And the J.B. Phillips version of the Bible in Romans 12 says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mould. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to open up prophetically what I believe God is saying, and you can judge it. And I pray you'll enjoy it because I'm not going to be condemnatory. I'm just going to bring to light what I believe God is saying. Uh, when I handed the church over seven years ago, I felt God challenged me to be a prophetic dad and to spend time in the Scriptures and to come alongside the Western church and bring like a chiropractic adjustment to some of the ways we do the pattern of Christianity. If I get a chance in the next message, I'm going to share a little bit about the difference between churchianity and Christianity. I'm going to open up because of time with two scriptures that will prepare the way for the main scripture, which is Isaiah chapter 30. Let me prepare you. In Isaiah chapter 30, God speaks to the people of Israel with amazing compassion and love for them to come home to His patterns. And I believe God is calling the church back to the patterns that He has for us 
not in order to be restricted, but to be lifted to be the voice He wants us to be in our community. If you've heard me before in this place over the years, I've often said to you something God said to me, God will sift to shift to lift. God never sifts the church without wanting to shift the church so He can lift the church to a greater place of influence. Before I read the Scriptures, as it comes to mind right now, in the book of Daniel, we meet a bunch of guys that were brought from Judah into Babylon. Daniel and the other young men, they were probably teenagers in their teens as they'd brought out of Judah into Babylon. And guess what? They kept the culture of Judah while they understood the language of Babylon. What we've done over 30 years in the Western world is in order to be rela relate to the world, in order to be uh, acceptable to the world around us, in many parts of Christendom, not here, but in many parts of Christendom, we've embraced the culture of Babylon, not just understood its language. And we were never meant to embrace the culture of the world. We're, we're supposed to uh, be influenced in that culture while we understand the trends and we understand we, don't have, we can be cool in the way we dress and all those things. But there's a line we can cross. And I believe the church in the Western world has become biblically illiterate in many ways. They don't know their Bibles. They don't know how to measure things by the Word of God. And there's been a lot of confusion. And I believe God wants the culture of Judah back into the people of Judah while we become effective in reaching Babylon. And I believe that's where God is taking us. I believe it's part of my calling to bring truth and not just to bring a nice talk. Let me start with 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm going to read a couple of verses in from verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, this is Paul speaking. When I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another, quarrel with one another. Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul. Another one says, I'm a follower of Apollos. Aren't you acting just like people of the world? And right even here in Adelaide, I'm going to be totally upfront. I know this is recorded. Sometimes what we call revival is actually reshuffle. And what we do is we get disgruntled people move on to some other church because they've been hurt. And you know what? That's childish behaviour. Because every time we get hurt, we should heal. And we should grow and we should learn what God is teaching us. And so even in a city like Adelaide, we have the shuffling one minute I'm of Paul, another minute of Apollos, another minute I'm Church of Christ, another minute I'm Pentecostal, another minute I'm Charismatic. And you know what? I'm working with all of them and we all need to grow up. I see the pride in the evangelical world. I see the pride in the Pentecostal world and the Bible says that God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And I believe God's coming back to the church and He's saying, I'm building my church, not yours. 
I'm building my church and I wanna be part of what God's building. I wanna be building what He's building. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we'll get, this ends up really good by the way. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse one, I don't want you to forget dear brothers and sisters about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptised as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food. All of them drank the same spiritual water for they drank from the spiritual rock that travelled with them and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us so that we do not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. As the scripture says, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan revelry and we must not engage and we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and then died from snake bites. And don't, gee, this is getting really encouraging this morning. This is fantastic. And don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. Now, this is the point. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. May we have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the planet right now. And as we go to Isaiah chapter 30, I did that because some may say, well, you're preaching from the Old Testament. Well, right there in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul is saying, listen, these things are written there to show us a picture so we can learn from the mistakes they made. I don't want to repeat the mistakes that others have made. I want to not waste those mistakes. And so as we go to Isaiah 30, I was in prayer about a month or two before the COVID situation. And the Lord said to me, go to Isaiah 30. As I went to Isaiah 30, I saw five things. I'm going to put them on screen for you if you want to write them down and then go home and study Isaiah 30 for yourself and See with me whether this is not a picture of where we're at today. Can we put the words up on screen, please? There we are. Number one is the condition of God's people. Number two is the cost God's people paid. Then the critique of God's people, of the prophets and the voices that were speaking. Then there's the coming home. Don't you like that? You know, the thing I love about God, and I cried my eyes out when I read this Scripture, is that it starts with woe to my rebellious children. He doesn't say, you know, these terrible kids, I don't want nothing to do with it. He goes, they're mine. They're my kids. God never stops loving us. We're on a journey of getting it right. And there's a coming home cry from God. He goes, come on, come, I wanna bless you. Come home to covenant blessing. And you see these five things, the condition, the cost, the critique, the coming home and the covenant blessing. Verse one of chapter 30, what sorrow awaits my rebellious children, says the Lord. I mean, as natural parents, when our kids used to play up, when my kids used to play up when they were little, I might get a little angry with them. I get annoyed and frustrated, but I never disowned them as my kids. They were my kids. And I wanted them to learn and come home. And God says, what sorrow awaits my rebellious children, says the Lord. 
You make plans that are contrary to mine. You make alliances not directed by my spirit, thus pining up your sins. For without consulting me, you've gone down to Egypt for help. May I stop here and say, I hope all the people that prophesied that Donald Trump was going to be in for another term will repent for prophesying wrong. Because we can't just listen to stuff in the name of Christianity and then when it doesn't happen, find some other excuse and blame somebody else. God is wanting the church to be held accountable so that we represent Him well. You've put your trust in Pharaoh's protection. You've tried to hide in his shade. But by trusting Pharaoh, you'll be humiliated. And by depending on him, you'll be disgraced. For though his power extends Zoan and his officials have arrived in heinous, all who trust in him will be ashamed. He will not help you. Instead, he will disgrace you. Yesterday morning, I got to prayer because I see so many things in this chapter I can't speak about today because of time. And I said to the Lord, Lord, what has the modern church done to go down to Egypt, to go to the world to learn how to do church? And this is what I wrote. Please judge it today. The modern church has exchanged humility for celebrity, has exchanged truth for trend, has exchanged being spiritual to being successful. You're very quiet on me this morning. It ends up really good. Please, please hang in there. It's exchanged lordship to leadership. We've learned so much about leadership around the Western world, but if it doesn't flow from lordship, things can just become secular. We've gone from substance to size. How many bums on seats and how much money in the offering? Well, COVID certainly set that for a sex. And we've gone from substance to size, from purpose to performance, and from eternal to the temporal. Every time I've heard the gospel preached in Australia, very seldom do I hear about eternity. And yet in the Bible, when the gospel preached, it started with eternity. It started with eternal hope. And I believe we've had a consumer churchianity that's crept into our world. And in talking to your pastor and in talking to some of the pastors and leaders and your pastors, there's a desire in us to say, oh God, we want it to be authentic. Oh God, we want church to be real. We want a broken world to come into a place that are not loved because they're a bum on a seat, but they're loved because God loves them and we love them. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. But there's a cost, so that's the condition. Then there's the cost of disobedience. There's burnout, there's breakdown and building through the flesh. And verse one of the verses here, read it at home, verse 7. All this and Egypt will give you nothing in return. Egypt's promises are worthless. And then the passage of Scripture goes on and talks about the cost of putting uh, gold on animals and taking it down to Egypt and paying Pharaoh for his protection. And let me tell you, the world's got nothing for us. And let me tell you, no political thing's going to change our world. We need to be the light in the darkness. And the church needs to change, not the world. And as we, the church, become one, and as we stop being competitive with other churches, not that you are, but, you know, that, that spirit is in the planet right now. Not that, you know, are you part of that group? And, and, and we're going to have 20 campuses because we're going to take over that. and We're going to have this. It doesn't impress God at all. 
Oh, we're going to write all this new stuff. We're going to do church so different. Can you imagine God in heaven going, oh, I haven't heard that before. <laughs> hey, angels, have you seen how they do church now? Oh, man, what a great day. I'm, I wonder, I should have thought of that. <laughs> God's not impressed. God's not impressed. We've got to build according to His pattern. So listen to this. When the church does church wrong, not biblically, we move into critique. Now listen to this verse and you tell me whether this is not the language of many churchians today. Verse 10, tell the seers, stop seeing visions. They tell the prophets, don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Forget all this gloom. Get off your narrow path. Stop telling us about your Holy One of Israel. Do you know over the last 10 years, I've had Christians come up to me in churches here in Adelaide. Oh, we're sick of vision talk. We're sick of this talk. It just doesn't do it for me anymore. Do you know if I got a dollar for every person that's come to me and go, I just don't get fed in our church. Really? Last time I checked, the church is not meant to just feed you. I was talking to Ben Wendell, a pastor in Brisbane just recently, who's got three beautiful boys. I said, Ben, how old are your boys now? One's 14, one's 12, I think, one's 10. I said, can you imagine them coming home from school and your wife has put a banquet on the table? Food everywhere. And your boys are sitting at the table, which I can't imagine this ever happening, but with hungry boys. And they go, oh, we're too tired, mum. Can you feed us? At 12 years old, if mum's grabbing a spoon and shoving food in your mouth, you'd be saying, what's wrong? Can't these kids feed themselves? And then, oh, mum, I'm busting to go to the loo, but I just don't have the energy. To, I'll pick you up, darling, and I'll take you. You would wonder that whether there's something wrong in that family. And yet I know Christians that have been in church for 20 years not being fed. And you think, well, if you're led by God, you'll be fed by God. If you're not personally walking with Jesus... If you're not personally walking with Jesus, you'll never purposely walk with the church. Think about that. And so they hate vision talk. They hate truth talk. They're happy to follow lies. They call reality gloom and don't like too much God talk. And I believe the church in the Western world has come into a little bit of that. And I believe God is not mad at us He's calling us home. What I love about this passage, I bought my eyes out, it's not legalism, it's not rules, it's the law of love. Because when we do things God's way, we become powerful. We become a people that will not be ignored. Do you know the world expects us to be different to them? The world looks at the church and goes, you're not supposed to be doing that. Right now in the media, there's a whole lot of stuff about all types of groups and I'm sure you've seen stuff on Current Affair and I believe that the media is evil in many ways and says things that are lies and pulls things out of the archives, out of context. But there's another side, church, where we need to also sit down and go, is some of that stuff true? Do we need to change? Do we need to learn from this stuff? 
because God doesn't waste these moments. And these are moments for the church to critique itself and go, are we the church Jesus said He was going to build? Next time I preach here, I'm going to speak on God's priority. What is God's priority for the church? And if we build what His priority is, everything we need will be met. We will have a doorway to freedom and we will experience God's amazing blessing. Listen to this. Only in returning to me, have we, are we done? Have I got a couple more minutes? 11. I've got 11, right? Okay. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. Let me tell you, God's bringing the church back to a new place of rest, to a new place where we don't perform. We're not to try to keep up with the spiritual Joneses. We're not there to try to be who's who in the zoo. We are quietly strength that we know God's with us. And know that He wants to walk, through, walk with us and through, uh, work through us. Verse 18, So the Lord must wait for you to come to Him so He can show you His love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for His help. You notice God waits. COVID has changed a lot of things. And I believe God's just waiting. He goes, come on church, come to me. COVID or no COVID, I've got all the answers you need. All the answers you need. If the church can only survive by full-time staff, if a church can only survive by all the right lights and the right smoke, which are all good. I love the stuff, great. I recommended it, so you know, don't, don't misunderstand me. But it's got to be in the right place. If we had no lights today, if we had no stage today, if we didn't have the, where would your Christianity be? I don't get anything out of church anymore. Well, we weren't meant, so what I'm doing is I'm putting messages together on what is the responsibility of pastors and leaders to feed the church and what is the Christian's responsibility to self-feed? Because let me tell you, when I got cancer, when my son passed away, it wasn't the church primarily that was there for me. It was Christ. And I was able to have an anchor and I was able to hang on to something. And I wasn't allowed to go to church for nine months because of my sickness. And yet I've never felt closer to Jesus. Now, I'm not telling you to stay home. And those of you that are home today and watching online, please understand there are seasons and there are times and people are ill and I couldn't get to church. But I love being with people. We were made for one another. We were made to give to one another. And if you are a churchian, you will always be a taker. If you are a Christian, you'll always be a giver. We don't come to church to get. I didn't get anything out of the worship. I didn't get any of this. The music was too loud or that was too loud. The bass was too strong. No, I come to bring my worship so He can be glorified. I come to receive the Word so truth can be clarified. And then I come so I can leave and walk with my walk intensified to walk with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, I don't need the church to keep me close to Jesus, but I do need the church so that the gifts He's put on my life can be shared with my brothers and sisters and we can do life together. So last of all, musicians can come, but last of all, the covenant blessing of God. So this is what God says, I'm waiting. And if you wait on me, you're not going to be disappointed. Then the Lord will bless you with rain and planting time. There will be wonderful harvests and plenty of pasture land for your livestock. The oxen and donkeys that till the ground will eat good grain. 
It's chaff blown away by the wind. In that day when your enemies are slaughtered and the towers fall, there will be streams of water flowing down every mountain and hill. The moon will be as bright as the sun and the sun will be seven times brighter. And I just made a list very quickly of what is in those verses. The tears will stop. He will graciously respond when we ask for help. He will return. We can return to Him and learn truth. And it says this in verse 20, I will personally teach you. Or I need to be mentored. I need to be discipled. Yes, we've got a divine mentor. We've got a divine counsellor. First of all, Jesus Christ mentors me every morning. Every morning He puts things in my heart that make me feel like I was only born again yesterday. One of the things when I spoke last time here about choices I've made in my life that I'll never regret, there was another six that I didn't share, which I'll share with the staff on Tuesday. But the last one is I want to be faithful and joyous in my old age. I want to be fruitful in my old age. I don't want to be grumpy. I don't want to be, oh, the church this and the church that. And the ch-. No, because the church is inside of me. I am the church. I have a congregation in here that speaks to me every day. Oh, you're not good enough. You know, the congregation inside of you, oh, you'll never amount to anything. You know, we got voices that speak to us all the time. On one side of your brain, there's accusation. On the other side of your brain is revelation. And I want to tell you, I let the revelation override the accusation because the divine men- mentor welcomes me in and He waits for me and He says, I will personally train you. I don't have to get my sermons off the internet. I don't have to borrow them because He's personally training me. Clear direction will come. Verse 21, we won't rely on the world, Egypt. Prosperity will flow. Healing will return. Pride will be dealt with. The return of joy and God gets the last say. All there in Isaiah 30. Go and read it. I close with this. As I was praying last night for today, God reminded me of something He told me 15 years ago. He said, the prodigal church is coming home. The prodigal church will come home. You see the story of the prodigal son in the Bible where a son did things his way. The father didn't chase him, but he waited. Just like here in Isaiah 30, he waits. And when the son comes home, listen to this, and I close with this. When he left his father to do things his way, he said, give me what's mine. And he asked for for what wasn't really his to take. Give me what's mine. We've had 30 years of hyper prosperity teaching in certain parts of the Christian world, mainly in America, but Australia likes to copy a lot of what America does. And we said, give me what's mine. Give me my prosperity. Give me this. Give me that. Give me, give me. And God says, okay, do it your way. And then we do the rounds. And then one day the prodigal son said, I'm going home to dad and I'm going to say, make me one of your servants. The prodigal church is going from give me to make me. Hear that today. The church of Jesus is moving from give me to make me. That's called discipleship. That's called following Jesus. And I tell you, my prayer, sometimes I get angry. 
Sometimes my flesh goes, God, you took my son. I know he didn't, but I use that language. And then I get cancer. Now I can't see. Give me a flipping break. I get angry sometimes. My flesh has its moment, but it doesn't stay there. Because I don't have a give me. Give me the answer. Give me my healing. Of course I want to be healed. And God and His sovereignty heals. And we pray for the sick. And I've prayed for over 2,000 people that have lost their children. And I've prayed for people that have been healed and not died of cancer. And I've prayed for those that didn't get healed because the Pentecostal church doesn't have a theology for suffering. But the Bible does. But you see, I've gone from give me to make me. Can we just bow our heads this morning, online this morning, as I close right now. Father, I've invited Victory Church this morning into my thinking about these things. Not because I believe they are culprits or whatever. We're all, we are all in need as a modern Christianity to respond and say, make me all that you want me to be. My prayer for Victory Church and every church is that in 2021, we don't become takers, we become givers of our worship, receptive to your word, and then to multiply by giving to others because we want you to make us your feet, your hands, your voice to a world that is in bondage. May we be the doorway to freedom. I pray in Jesus' name. Church, check your shoes this morning. Make sure you've got them on the right foot. Otherwise you'll have a lot of pain because your feet don't belong there. Let's not be too accustomed to the world. The world's got nothing for us. The media's got nothing for us. Our entertainment systems don't have anything for us. Let's find all we need in waiting for Him. With open arms, He's waiting for us. Doorway to freedom. God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 